All right, well, let's pray, and then we're going to jump into the message this morning. This is, this is part seven in our faith series, um, and we are talking about faith for others, faith for others, how there are times in life where someone else around us, they, they just don't have it, and they need somebody to come alongside and help carry them and bear that burden. And so that's what we're talking about this morning. So Jesus, would you come and teach us your heart on this matter? God, would you invite us in to your kingdom and how it works? Jesus, you welcome, you invite those who are hurting, who are in trouble, who are outsiders, and you bring them in. And Jesus, you've invited us to participate in that kind of life. God, would you give us guidance and direction and what it looks like to have faith to come alongside and help others? It's in your name we pray this morning. Amen. Amen. All right, well, our primary passage is going to be Luke chapter 5. In fact, I think we're only going to read maybe one other verse, two other verses outside of that passage. Um, So if you want to turn there, you can follow along. We're going to start in verse 15. Um, The scriptures will be on the screen as well if you need that. This story that we're going to dive into also takes place in Mark's gospel, chapter 2, and Matthew's gospel, chapter 9. And so you can get just some of the depth and richness of the story by seeing it from a couple of other perspectives if you look at those um, as well. Um, So to set the scene, this is a story that takes place early in Jesus' life and ministry. He's really just started uh, preaching, He's just started healing people, and the word is starting to spread. People are starting to get interested to figure out, who is this guy? Who's this prophet? Who's this teacher? Who's this healer? What is he up to? And so crowds are beginning to gather to figure him out. He's he's not even done completing his full disciple crew. He doesn't even have the full 12 yet. He's called a few of them to follow him, and we're going to see one more here in a minute this morning. Um, So... His ministry is getting off the ground. I just, I think it's important to recognize that at the start of his ministry, he's defining right here in this passage what he's about. And and my hope this morning is that, number one, we would see that we are the kind of people he's for. He's for you and I. He's for bringing us in. He also is about getting others who've already been found, who've been impacted by him, to come alongside and join him in what he's doing. And so that's where we're at this morning. So we're going to pick up the story in Luke chapter 5, beginning in verse 15. But now even more, the report about him went abroad. So the news is spreading. And great crowds gathered to hear him and to be healed of their infirmities. So some people were coming just to hear his teaching Other people were coming saying, man, I'm sick. I'm in need. Help me. And so they came to him. Occasionally, verse 16, he would withdraw to desolate places and pray. So there was this high demand for him to touch people's lives. And he knew that on occasion, man, he had to withdraw and spend time with God and be recharged and built up. So he had something to offer. And so he would do that. Verse 17, on one of those days as he was teaching, and some of the other gospels tell us he's kind of in his hometown, not not where he grew up, not not, uh, Nazareth, but he's in kind of his home base of Capernaum. 
And so he's there in his hometown. He's returned to the city. People found out. And so as he was teaching, Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there who had come from every village of Galilee, Judea, and from Jerusalem. So, I mean, word has reached like the largest city in the country. We got to go see this guy. And so the crowds are there, the sick are there, and the Pharisees have gathered to figure out who is this guy. And then Luke tells us the power of the Lord was with him to heal. Jesus showed up with a purpose. You know, right at the outset, that's just something that catches my attention because I don't ever want to get to a place, whether it's a Sunday gathering or a life group gathering or a coffee with a friend of mine here in the church, where I miss that Jesus is present to heal. Jesus is present and intentional to touch lives. He wants to to heal people of guilt and shame. He wants to touch our physical bodies and heal us. Jesus is present to do something. And I love that at this gathering, Jesus had a sense of purpose. And I want to have that kind of purpose. And so we're going to look at four friends now who without a doubt had a deep sense of purpose. And as Jesus gathered with all these folks, verse 18 now tells us that behold, some men, in fact, it was four of them, were bringing on a bed a man who was paralyzed. And they were seeking to bring him in and lay him before Jesus. If I could read one verse to you that would encapsulate what we're called to do as followers of Jesus, it's this. It's this. They carried their paralyzed friend and their intention was to bring him to Jesus. Don't miss in the simplicity of that sentence what all we're being taught here. Number one, there are going to be people around us who need help. And the very thing they need, the very person they need, they can't even see their way there yet. They can't even get there. And so there are some folks who we are the one that's there that's meant to help lift them up and bring them to Jesus. We've got some purpose. I think all too often, we're aware of our need to be carried, and that's right, and that's good. But listen, Jesus has called us to be the kinds of people who look around and go, that person right there, they need a touch. And I know that Jesus is alive and he's present and he wants to touch them. How might I help get them there? Living with that sense of purpose to look for that. These were his friends. These guys, they weren't walking around town going, I wonder if there's somebody that needs some help. They knew somebody that needed help. I bet we know somebody too that needs some help. So they had that intentionality. The second thing I love here is they didn't go it alone. That's an important point. The scripture warns us not to become weary in what? Well-doing. See, the, the, the scripture, I love the nuance of Jesus. Like, he gets the whole picture. Does he want us to do some heavy lifting? Absolutely. 
Does he want us to do it by ourselves? No. No. One guy didn't try to drag his friend there. He went and rallied three other friends and said, guys, let's go do this. And together they help bear the burden. See, this, this invites us into what church life looks like. We're not called to be these lone rangers that go out all week long on our own, gather and come in here and go, oh, Don, did you survive? We, we made it, barely, we're here, great. See you next week. That's not what we're called to. We're called to link arms together and at times help carry folks who need carrying. And so we're called to do this together. Um, another thing that I think is key here, they're, they're not being called to carry this guy forever. Their job wasn't, let me take the paralyzed guy wherever he needs to go the rest of his life. I'm gonna help him get from here to Jesus. I'm not meant to carry him forever. And what goes right along with that, by the way, it wasn't his friend's job to fix him. Helping bear one another's burdens doesn't mean that it's on me to fix what's wrong with other people. That will burn you out. It'll burn you out. But it's easy to fall for that. I mean, one of the reasons it's easy to fall for it is like, I, I do want to live with a sense of purpose. And when there's a, there's a need around me, I can get a lot of purpose from that. Like I'm leaning in, I'm helping. That's great. But let Jesus guide you in how to do that. Do it with a team. And don't feel like you have to fix it. Our job is to say, hey, I don't know what's needed here. And I don't know how to fix what's wrong here. But I do know that he does. I know the one who does know how to fix this. Let's go to him. And if, if, if you don't have the energy, if you don't have the hope, if you don't have the courage to believe that, I've got a little extra for you. Let me help get you there when you can't get yourself there. Y'all see this? See, the beauty of the picture that Jesus is painting here is he deals with both my pride and my anxiety. When I realize I don't have to fix the problem, it, it confronts my pride to think I've got all the answers. There have been people around me that I've, I've felt very clearly I'm supposed to help them. I also feel very clearly like I know exactly what they need, right? If they would just take this advice, if they would just do this, I, I'm not even saying you're wrong. I'm just saying only God knows their heart. Only God knows the real issue. Sometimes the presenting issue isn't even the real thing. It's real, but there's something back here that's even bigger. And we're going to see that in this story in just a minute. But it can be a relief to us to go, I can lay down my pride. I don't have to have the answers. I can be present to help bear the load. And I can trust Jesus that he's got the answers. Secondly, it doesn't just deal with my pride. It deals with my anxiety. I don't know about you, but I have been in situations where I was very aware that someone needed help and I was also very aware of my inability to do anything about it. And you know what that does? It doesn't just leave them crippled, it cripples me because I think I don't have what it takes or I don't have anything to offer. We do, we do. Can you imagine how that guy felt to know I've got four friends that will do whatever it takes to help me get where I need to go. 
his friends, everything I see in this story, his friends never preach at him. They never give him advice. They just say, buddy, we're here. And they lift him up and they walk with him and they bring him towards Jesus. We can do that. You can do that. When you see need, you can be present. You can love. You can pray. You can encourage. What you have is enough because it's not your job to fix it. It's your job to be present and help usher people to Jesus. Is this making sense? What I'm hoping that we find this morning is a blend of, man, let me get up and roll up my sleeves and go to work with my God who loves people and let me not start taking out a bunch of burdens to carry that aren't mine. He, he calls us to work with him, but he says that his yoke is easy and his burden is light. All right? Wow, that's only one verse, man. I promise the others won't be quite that long. All right, next verse, verse 19. So they've lifted up their friend. They're going to Jesus. They know who he needs. They know, they know he needs Jesus. They're not sure what, what or how to solve his problem, but they know Jesus must have it. We've heard about this guy. We're going to carry our friend there. Verse 19, but finding no way to bring him in because of the crowd, they quit and went home and said, oh, well, tough luck. Maybe next time. They prayed one really hard prayer. That didn't seem to get the job done. Maybe God's not home today. No, that's not what it says. It says, they finding no way to bring him in because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and let him down with his bed through the tiles into the midst before Jesus. Other passages make it even more clear. It says they were literally ripping the roof apart. They were tearing the roof off to get their friend to Jesus. Part of having faith for others is being persistent. Hanging in there. Hey, I'm not going to let the first obstacle stop me. One of the passages even says they came in and they couldn't even get in through the door. I thought that was interesting. It wasn't just saying they were overcrowded. It was saying the normal way they would come wasn't going to work. So they found another way. You know, I wonder how many times God is up to something and he does want to heal and we're trying to walk old, comfortable, familiar roads and he's trying to invite us into something new. A journey that takes a little bit of courage. A little breaking out of our comfort zone. Maybe you made it through the door before and found Jesus there. Cool. Maybe this time it's going to take tearing the roof off to see him meet the need. Be persistent. They don't abandon their friend and they tear through obstacles. Here's what stood out to me about this. Like, I don't know, maybe it's just because this stuff has been very present on my mind. Um, But when I saw this, it reminded me of what we've been talking about several weeks previously. Basically, what they did is what we talked about the last couple of sermons. They had faith to fight. They saw the obstacle and said, I'm fighting through this. And they had faith to endure. They were persistent. They didn't let the first thing sidetrack them. They kept going. See, if, if we've learned to persevere in our own walk and we've learned to fight the giants that are in front of us, 
that then enables us to step up and have faith on behalf of others, to help them fight their giant, to break through their obstacle. It enables us to have the ability to endure with other people because we've seen what endurance has done in our own life. My friends didn't give up on me. God didn't give up on me. I didn't throw in the towel. I hung in there and it didn't make sense and I didn't understand why it took so long. And maybe even on this side of that, I still don't really get it. But what I know is I'm glad I hung in there. And so I can hang in there with you. Let's go. We're gonna make it. It's gonna be all right. So we keep going. Now, this next part, I mean, if we're familiar with the passage, you already know what's coming. But I got to tell you, if I'm one of these friends, I would have been a little bit surprised about what happens next. They lower a paralyzed guy through a roof that they've been carrying, drop him right down the midst of this crowd and set him at Jesus' feet. And Luke 5.20 says that when Jesus saw their faith, he said, man, your sins are forgiven you. Jesus, I I think maybe you missed it. (laughs) We weren't lowering him down for confession. He can't walk. He's crippled. He's paralyzed. We're looking for physical healing here. But see, when, when, when we come alongside people, we think we know exactly what Jesus needs to do, exactly what the situation calls for. And sometimes when he doesn't do what we think, we don't even hear what he is saying. We don't even recognize the real thing he's saying. He sees and knows. Listen, Jesus has every intention of healing this guy, but, but he's cutting through the obvious to get to the real core issue. And, and I love that there's these different perspectives. In Matthew's gospel, there's this little extra piece. Matthew 9, verse 2. And behold, some people brought to him a paralytic lying on a bed. It's this story. And when Jesus saw their faith, I love that, says it in both passages, he didn't see the faith of the paralyzed guy, he saw the faith of the friends that brought him there. Jesus saw their faith, but he says something specific to the paralytic. He says, take heart, my son, your sins are forgiven you. He knew the real weight that that guy was carrying. See, we may not realize this from from our cultural perspective, but in that day and in that culture, if you had a crippling illness like that, it was assumed that you deserved it. It was assumed that you had sinned in some way and that's why you were sick and not being healed. That's why you were wounded. It's one of the ways that the Pharisees felt justified and pushing outcasts to the side and felt better than them because it was assumed they were guilty. And at best case scenario, maybe they thought it was your parents' fault. Like your parents did something and that's why you're like this. Listen, guys, that guilt thing is real. That is real. People deal with that. We find ourselves in hard circumstances and sometimes we're mad at him and going, God, what are you doing? But often we look internally and go, I'm crummy, I'm miserable, I don't even deserve to get out of this mess I've made. Why would I think I could carry myself to Jesus? I got myself here. 
And that's where we can come alongside people and say, that is not the truth. That is not who Jesus is. That's not the heart of the gospel. He's a God who loves and heals and restores. And I'm going to carry you to him. And I don't know what that's going to look like. And I don't know what all is going on with you. But he does. So son, take heart. Take heart. And Jesus spoke right to the core issue and forgave that young man. And removed who knows what burden of guilt and shame that this rejected outsider had been carrying. Lift people up. Hold Jesus close. All right, lift them up to him. Hold Jesus close. Hold your opinions loosely. That's the whole deal. Lift people up, hold Jesus close, and hold your opinions loosely. Let him be the savior. Let him be the healer. Let's just know we can go to him. And there's times where we need to look around and take some people with us. All right? So we all carry some form of guilt and shame at times. We're all this guy at times. And so in the midst of looking at these four faithful friends, I think it's important for us to also consider what Jesus is up to in the story. Because if we have our eyes on him and what he's up to, it, it is easier for us to go, yes, that's the God I'm helping carry people to. And so picking right up from there, I'm going to read kind of the same thing again, Luke 5, 20. And when he saw their faith, he said, man, your sins are forgiven. And then watch what happens next, verse 21. Then the scribes and the Pharisees began to question, saying, who is this who speaks blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? When Jesus perceived their thoughts, I love that. <laughs> he didn't hear what they were saying. He perceived their thoughts. And he answered their thoughts. <laughs> Why do you question in your hearts? Which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven you or rise and walk, but that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He said to the man then who was paralyzed, I say to you, rise, pick up your bed and go home. And immediately he rose up before them, picked up what he'd been lying on, and he went home glorifying God. His crippling guilt and shame had been dealt with and his physical um, condition had been healed. And that guy went home carrying a light burden. It probably felt great carrying around that pack going, I can't wait to get home and ditch, ditch this thing. I'm not gonna need this anymore. And he went home glorifying God. Amazement seized them all and they glorified God and were filled with awe saying, we have seen extraordinary things today. Here's, here's what Jesus is doing on purpose in front of the people that are crammed into this house. All right, I want you to see this picture. The people that were in that house was who? Who was in the house? Y'all heard it earlier. The scribes, the Pharisees. You know who's in the house? The insiders. The insiders are inside the house, both by definition but also, that's who they were. These, these were the people who knew better. They knew God. They knew his word. They knew what was right. They were gathered inside. And the thing that caught Jesus' attention 
was not the faithfulness or curiosity of the insiders. The thing that caught his attention were the people that were willing to rip the roof off to get the outsiders in. That's what got his attention. That's what gets his attention. And Jesus makes that clear purposely in front of the insiders to say, this is what I came to do. I came to reconcile outsiders with God. I came to show the love of God by forgiving sin. Of course I want to touch their physical, practical needs, but I want to heal hearts. The outcasts, the forgotten, the guilty, the, the ashamed, the folks who would never even go through the door of a church because they don't feel like they're welcome there. They're going to be judged there. They're going to be met by an angry God and people who are put off by them and going to just be judging them the whole time. And Jesus said, I came to do the opposite of that. I came to see the roof ripped off, if that's what it takes, to help the unworthy and the outcasts be brought in. And he's making that clear at the very start of his ministry. He declares it boldly, unashamedly. This is what I am about. Listen, I just, I have to say this to you because I have to say this to myself. Guys, the very fact that we are sitting in this room today means there is at least a possibility that we could become the very thing we would never imagine. I've never met anybody sitting in church that thinks that the passages about the Pharisees is for them. But if you are an insider, you are inherently vulnerable to developing a mindset like a Pharisee. You are vulnerable to becoming an insider who just hangs out with other insiders, who looks around at all the other insiders, who gathers to hear what Jesus has to say. But the fact of the matter is, you and I aren't really insiders. We were outsiders who were brought near by the love and grace of God. The fact that we're inside is only because of him and because somebody else probably helped carry us there. I guarantee you can point to someone who led you to Jesus in some way. We are insiders because other people decided to get outside the walls of the church and not sit in the nice, comfortable, cozy place, but to go say, we got to bring some outsiders in. They need to meet Jesus. And so we just, I'm, I'm not saying this to, to say we should immediately feel guilt or shame. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying we should pause and consider, God, is there any possibility that I've become so comfortable being an insider that, that slowly but surely, unintentionally, I'm starting to develop a little bit of this Pharisee-type behavior where my whole world is just hanging out with insiders. You know what the antidote to that is? Go get outsiders. Go hang around them. Go be with them. And that's exactly what Jesus does next. He doesn't just celebrate the guys who bring in the outsider he then leaves this setting, and in Luke 5, verse 27, the very next verse, it says, after this, he went out and he saw a tax collector named Levi, that's Matthew, sitting at the tax booth. And he said to him, you're invited in. He said, follow me. And leaving everything, Matthew rose and followed him. 
Verse 29, and Levi made a great feast in his house and there was a large company of tax collectors and others reclining at the table with them. And the Pharisees show up again and they're grumbling at his disciples saying, why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? And Jesus answered them, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I've not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. It's not just about bringing outsiders in. It's about going and being with them where they are. Jesus didn't care what everybody thought about him. He went and hung out at Matthew's house. He was comfortable and present being around outcasts and letting them know you're in. You're invited. Come follow me. I'm willing to come to your place and I'm inviting you to come to mine. It's an open door. If the door ain't open, it's an open roof. We'll get you in. He welcomed outsiders in. Am I more interested in hanging out with the well-off or am I going to join Jesus at the table of sinners and outcasts? The way we guard against becoming a Pharisee is by being around the folks that we used to be. And unless by the grace of God, we would still be there. And so we go and we love and we invite and we welcome and we let them know his kingdom is opened. He's a good, loving God. Absolutely does he want to change people's lives. Of course. He welcomes sinners and invites them to repentance. But he welcomes sinners. All too often, the Christian church has got it flipped around. Clean up, then show up. It's totally backwards. It's, it should look a little messy. Show up, and then watch how he'll clean you up. Watch how he'll touch every issue of your heart. Watch how he'll start to change your outside circumstances in life. Because when he saves you and you let him become your Lord, he changes everything. And it's the best news in the world. But we meet people where they are. This story is teaching us what Jesus is like so that we can join him there. We can rip off the roof to make room for those outside and in need. And we can stop settling for being insiders and go out to reach those in need. Let's make space for them to come and let's go and get them. Listen, here's, here's why this is faith to help others, all right? It's faith to help others because it requires some action. It takes faith to get out of my comfort zone and be willing to carry a burden for a while. It takes faith to act in that way. It also takes faith to trust that I can let Jesus do his work in his time. It takes both aspects of faith the kind that just kind of sits still and trusts that he's got it, and the kind that joins him in action. All right? Now, I want to close by reading a really important conversation that Jesus has with his disciples. So they have started following him, and they're just enamored with this guy who loves and welcomes the outcasts, who heals the sick, he's raising the dead, he's preaching hope and life, He's inviting people in. 
And they've been watching him for years now. And we're now fast-forwarding towards the end of his life, and he begins to have a dialogue with his disciples, and he's saying, hey, who do, who do people say that I am? What are y'all hearing out there, all these people we're encountering? And they're like, well, they think you're this guy, they think you're a prophet, maybe you're John the Baptist come back from the dead, you know. They think you're something special, they don't really know who you are. And then Jesus gets down to the core of the matter in Matthew 16, verse 15. And he said to them, but who do you say that I am? We need to be reminded of this. Who do we believe him to be? Is he the savior of the world that is here to rescue and redeem whosoever? Who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter replied, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Now check this out, guys. This is, this is everything right here. I will give you the keys of the kingdom, and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Here's who I am, Jesus says. Here's what I'm like. I am a loving God who welcomes the outcast, the guilty, the ashamed, the hurt, the afflicted, the rejected. I love people. And those who are in need, I want them to get well. That's who I am. It's what I do. That's what my kingdom is like. Here's the keys. The people you let in are in. The people you lock out, they're out. What if we lived like that was true? What if we lived like we were carrying around the keys to the greatest kingdom in the world, an eternal kingdom, a kingdom of love, a kingdom of a God who has power and authority and kindness and gentleness and mercy and healing who loves and cares about people so much that he, he literally put his image on them. He loved us so much. That's my kid. And we walked around like we had the keys to that. And we walked around going, man, I'm actually surrounded by people that are hurting, that are in need, that could use exactly that kind of a king. And what if I acted like I was the one that was able to give them access to that kingdom? It's true. It's true, and it's exciting. It's exciting. We get to invite people to see Jesus, and then we get to step back and watch what he does. And every now and then, we get to celebrate somebody giving their life to Jesus and go, yes, yes. Another one's been forgiven and set free and has a new life, yes. What a joy to live in the kingdom. Two questions to consider as we wrap up. Number one, what if you lived like the keys of the kingdom of God relied upon who you were willing to rip the roof off for? And number two, who are you going to bring to Jesus' feet? What outsider 
can become an insider because of you. The what and the who. Will I live like Jesus is that good? Will I, will I live in awareness of the fact that I'm an outsider who's been brought near and there's good news to be shared with others? Will I live like that? Will I live like that with such purpose that I think about the who? If you stop at the what, it's just a, a thought. It's just a good idea. But if I move from the what to the who, I promise you, he'll show you. I'm not even telling you you have to go out and meet a bunch of people you don't know. Maybe. Not saying he won't call you to that. My guess is if we just think about the who, there might be some people that come to mind. Some people who need the miraculous love of God to touch their life. And somebody I can go to and say, hey, I was broken and hurting and in need and people brought me to Jesus. Man, can I help carry you to him? He's awesome. He's awesome. I am so thankful for people who did this for me. This didn't just happen for me when I first met Jesus. This happened for me just a few years ago. I was a, a broken man in deep depression that I could not get out of. I was stuck and I was desperate and I had reached a point where I was struggling to find hope for myself. And what made matters worse is I'd look around and go, what's wrong with me? I've got an awesome wife, great kids. I know God's love, and I was stuck. But thank God for a wife who would help carry. She didn't try to fix me. She didn't lecture me. She just supported and loved and made space for friends who sat in my life group and saw me being a mess and loved me anyways. And some of them were crazy enough a little while later to follow me out here to Knoxville. That's pretty wild. They're still carrying this burden. <laughs> that was a good amen. <laughs> you know what I'm most thankful for? That I can say this and laugh. Guys, I was in a place where I was afraid to show up to our church office because I was terrified somebody would ask me how I was doing because if I even tried to open my mouth to answer, I was going to break down in tears. I was a mess. But I'm thankful that people came alongside and carried me. Nobody tried to fix me. Nobody tried to tell me what to do. They just carried me to Jesus. And slowly but surely, my Savior rescued me. He said, yeah, you look stuck and crippled, but really, buddy, there's just something broken in your heart, and I want you to know, son, take heart. I see you, I love you, I forgive you, it's gonna be all right. I remember that. I'm an outsider who's been brought near. I don't, I don't wanna settle for just this casual I'm not saying this is casual. I think awesome stuff's happened in our church. I hope this message doesn't sound like I'm trying to correct a problem. I'm not. I'm just trying to faithfully teach through some things that, that we're called to have faith for. I see this in our church. But I'm just saying, let's, let's not settle. Let's, don't, let's not stop short. Thank God we've been brought in. Thank God we have community and life in Jesus. Man, let's give that away. There's some people who could use some help. 
being brought to Jesus. Let's do that. Do y'all want to do that? I want to do that. God loves us. He loves you. He loves you. He loves you. And he has exactly what we need. And we get to watch him work if we'll decide to join him there. Let's pray. God, the word thank you always just feels so inadequate, but you don't require any more. We just get to say thanks. We get to sit at your feet and bask in your goodness. God, thank you for reminders that we've been brought near. God, help us to stay familiar with outsiders. May we be the kind of people that rip off the roof. God, not, not fall into some false, you know, working our tail off, never resting in you, never enjoying our life in you. Not that. We want to work from a place of rest. You have rescued us. You have saved us. Life is good in you, and we're grateful for that. And God, we, we want to do our part to link arms together and welcome other outsiders into your kingdom and watch you do what only you can do. God, we love you. We trust you. God, would you do this work in our heart? God, help us to decide that we want to live like we've got the keys. We can let people in. And God, help us to move to the second part of that and look around for the who. Who is it? that we're called to have a little faith for. It's in Jesus' name we pray this morning. Amen.